0: Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of
1: Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Trudy, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, thank you.
2: Well, I'm having a buzzing in my wall, in the corner wall in my bedroom, and it's keeping me up at night. So what I've done about it so far is I've called an electrician, and I was having lighting changed out. So I asked my husband to have him take a look at it. So he changed out the electrical socket and that didn't help. So I called the electrical company out um, and they came out and looked at the exterior wiring and, you know, put their ear to the wall and, and said it, it had nothing to do with them and said that they didn't think it was um, bees. So, that's where I am. Two months, been doing this for two months and keeping me awake at night, and I don't really want to have to break my sheetrock to find out, but I'm thinking that that's where I am.
1: Well, I don't think we're quite that far yet. Um, when you say it's a buzz, does it sound like a bee-type buzz, or is it more of a hum?
2: It's it's kind of like a, a buzzing hum. <laughs> kind <laughs> of okay. like both
1: Yeah, and the reason I'm asking that is you can get bees in the wall and really you don't see them outside sometimes but uh-huh. I'm thinking you're probably more headed the right direction when you're talking about the electrical on it right. uh, is there anything plugged into the wall like do you keep uh, phone chargers plugged in, the VCR uh, the cable box any of that kind of stuff
2: Yes, we have all of that right there it's like like a surger everything plugged in but we unplugged everything
1: uh-huh.
2: and it's still it's still doing it
1: okay and just and
2: sometimes it doesn't do it at all sometimes it's like I, it, I can go all day without hearing it and then and then it's you know like all night <laughs>
1: so yeah. well just for grins because this will help tell you if it's actually in the electrical circuit or not Go to your breaker box. Let's determine what circuit is on that wall so that the next time you're hearing it, I want you to have somebody go shut that breaker off while you're listening to see if that shuts it off. If it okay. does, you know for sure that it's in the electric circuit and the electrician needs to come back out and trace it further because that's an indication that there's probably a short somewhere in the circuit. Okay. Now, okay. if, the, if he throws the breaker, you know, you, you, you find out what breaker it is for that area again. And when you're hearing the buzz, if he throws the breaker and the buzz is still there, that tells me it's not in the electric. And you do need to start looking to see if there is bees or wasp or something like that in the wall. Okay.
2: Okay. okay. That's some great advice. I'll do that.
1: But I think what you're going to find is when you throw that breaker, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to stop. How old a house is this? It's probably twenty years old. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Follow the breaker. Let's see what happens. And uh, Trudy, when you get the, after you've done that, if you don't mind, call me because I'm always curious how stuff like this ends up.
2: Okay, I certainly will.
1: All right. Thank you, ma'am.
2: Thank you for your advice. Bye bye. You
1: bet. Bye bye. Again, one eight hundred two eight eight. Nine two two seven. That's one 9227 And you know, she she said a key thing there. You don't hear it all the time. It's kind of like your car. Sometimes you get you hear that noise, and sometimes you don't hear it. They can be intermittent, and that kind of to me indicates more that it is in the power itself, and that's why I think. When, uh, when you do hear it, if you throw the breaker, it's it's going to shut it down. And typically, when you're hearing that buzz, it's because something is going out. doesn't necessarily mean there's a short in the wires, but typically what it's going to be is the... And, he, and they changed out one plug, she said, but usually it's going to be something in the plugs or the light switch or something along that line that causes the buzz to happen. So that's the reason I want to shut it off and then the electrician can actually come back and trace it down, find out what it is uh, and get it fixed. But it's one of those things that happens. And and I got to be honest, I just had one start at my house. Uh, As soon as I get some time, I'm going to have to check it. It's, it's in a a light switch and I know the light switch is going bad. So I'm going to have to change it out. And uh, you know, it's, it's the, the shoe cobbler thing, make your own, you know, make your own shoes and, I got to fix my own house every now and then. I found this question rather interesting because I know a lot of people deal with these type of situations. Question goes, I installed the standard aluminum outlet box on the brick walls outside of my house. They were installed originally with GFI receptacles. When I went to replace one the other day, I noticed that the box looked like electrolysis has taken place inside only one of the two boxes on the wall. It looks like something having to do with the GFI in combination with a damp environment. Looks like electrolysis. I just decided to replace all of the receptacles with just regular outlets, no more GFIs. I believe this will solve the problem, what do you think? GFIs are outside for a reason. That electrolysis will have nothing to do with the GFI plug. So it's not a good idea. Uh, If you got something plugged in, and a rainstorm comes, or somebody, you know, inadvertently stands in water and tries to plug something in, and you don't have that GFI, and they get uh, electrocuted. You're gonna just feel awful. Now, one thing you gotta understand on GFI's: a lot of times people have it in their head that only the outlet that has the GFI plug is protected. Any outlet that's downstream of that GFI plug is protected. Once the GFI goes, every outlet that's on that circuit beyond it is off. Because it's no longer got juice going to it. So you don't have to put GFIs in all of them. But I'll bet you money what's happening with your box is... It's probably electrolysis, and you're probably right. It's from the moisture, but it's not the way you think. You're getting moisture into the box. The power... Is kind of spreading out in that box through that moisture, but what enough to trip the, G, the GFI. And so it starts the electrolysis in the box. You know, typically the electrolysis is two different metals being on each other. And it very well could be that as well. But don't, don't eliminate the GFI. You need to keep those working. Linda, how can I help you?
3: Hi, um, I have a question. It's more of a protocol question. Okay. Um, Our neighbors came over last night and they're replacing their fence. And we have a shared fence and they have already paid for it or they're paying for it. And they're asking us to pay for our portion, half of it. Uh huh. Which I understand. I think it's, you know, it's part of our fence. Sure. But it's like maybe three big panels worth on our part, and they're telling us that that's going to be eighteen hundred dollars, and wow. we were just kind of like that. We did our whole backyard for fifteen hundred, <laughs> so except that small little portion. So we were kind of wondering what protocol to go do. We, because we're going to pay something. We just didn't know if we should pay the half of 1800 if we thought that was extremely high.
1: No. I mean, realistically, get a copy of the receipt for what the entire project's going to cost. Look at how much of it is, you know, what what is on your portion and pay for half of that.
3: Okay. That's what he was trying to show us because he was saying, you know, what well, we're getting really good wood, it's the uh, cedar and we're getting green board and... Oh, he was saying, you know, and we were like, well, you know, my son, but he, that he, this is what he does for a living. Could we get him to come out and get a quote for you? And he said, I've already paid for it through Lowe's and all that. So, oh,
1: yeah, no. so, he's <laughs> having Lowe's build a fence for him.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's telling us this was his cheapest. You know,
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Guy. Urgent message yeah. for you. You don't yeah. hire the box stores to build a fence for you. Yeah, yeah,
3: that's what
1: we thought. Uh, L- Linda, I got to be honest. If your son does fencing for a living, I'm not... Uh, I don't like to be a, a meanie here or anything, but I'm not so sure I'd pay a darn thing if they didn't have the courtesy to come and talk to you first. That's
3: what we talked about, too, yeah.
1: Uh. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... You ask about protocol. Protocol says you go to your neighbor and say, "Hey, I'm getting ready to do this fence. Would you like to help out with this?" And that gives you the opportunity to say, "Oh yeah, but you know my son does fences. We can probably get a real good deal through him."
3: Right.
1: Right. When they don't, his
3: wife was like punching him, saying, "You should have listened. You should have waited. You know." Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: So I, well, I probably, gonna
3: pay something. We just I was going to say, gonna I would probably
1: still pay something, but yeah. really if it's only three of the, and typically those panels are eight foot panels, uh, if yeah. it's only three of those, that ain't no $1,800. That's what, I, that's what we said. Uh, yeah.
3: Okay. Well, that's, we just want to make sure we weren't just, you know, I, I don't know. We just want to do the right thing.
1: You just but, want to be sure you're not being a turd about it. Let's face
3: right. it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: And exactly. I don't think I don't think you are. It, the, they should have come over before signing the contract and paying for it, and asked about this.
3: Yeah. Okay. Well, that's kind of what we thought, but I just wanted to get professional
1: advice. All righty. Take care. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, professional advice that probably wasn't as professional as I could have said it, but now you don't hire the box stores to build fences for you. Because here's what happens when you hire the box store to build a fence. They go out and hire a contractor to go build it for you. They charge the contractor typically 20 to 40% of the cost of the job. So the contractor has to mark the pricing up. You can get the exact same contractor a whole lot cheaper going direct. Now, can you put it on your Lowe's card when you do it that way? no and i understand that but almost every contractor out there nowadays has access to easy financing a, a question that came in and you know i i, I i'm kind of torn back and forth on this and i'm going to read this one to you and then i'm going to give you my take on it hello i am on the little town of fairview between allen and mckinney about 30 miles north of dallas I have a wrought iron fence where four of the posts have rusted through at the bottom. I've been looking for someone to cut the panels out, take out and replace the old posts, and re-welt the panels back in. I'm having a heck of a time finding someone to do the work. I tend to find a business that has a brick and or I'm trying to find a business that has a brick and mortar location, but there's only one in the area. And they don't return calls when i check on the other businesses addresses on google they are normally someone's home do you have a recommendation company that will do this type of work in this area is there a best practice to prevent the rusting when the posts are set okay and and i'll get to the setting the post here in a minute but The smaller the town, the harder it is to find brick and mortar type contractors. And I got to be honest, for welding like this, it doesn't surprise me that you're not finding a lot of brick and mortar type places because typically it's done on site. And so, yes, some of them may have an office that they work out of, but there's typically not a need for a showroom. So people aren't showing up that way. There's typically not uh, a lot of uh, product that you're keeping on site all the time. And so for somebody who lives out in the country and has the space, it's easy to work this kind of business from home. I'm like you. I'm normally looking for a brick and mortar for most type of businesses. But I got to be honest, on welding, I can fully understand why you're not finding it. Uh, I would go with one of the guys who does it from home. Now, as far as what do you do to keep the post from rusting out? When the post is set, there's two things you have to do. The concrete that it's set in, mound it up so the water drains away from the post. If you go look at a lot of posts, the concrete is held too far down, and so it pockets water when it rains. Secondary thing, Make sure there's a cap on that post. If it's left open, water runs down in the post and it rusts it out from the inside. In other words, from the inside out, it'll rust. Uh, if you if you keep it capped and you keep the water draining away from it, you'll get a much better life cycle out of those metal posts. Carol, how can I help you today?
4: I'm going to get a new roof, and the contractor suggested getting. Also, the um, helmet guard gutters,
1: Uh-huh.
4: and I've looked it up online, and sometimes they're talking about fascia rot because of how do they, uh, how do they work, and um, do I have to be concerned about rotting wood?
1: Anytime you put gutters on a house, you have to be concerned about rotting wood. The, the way gutters are typically built the backside of the gutter is a little bit lower than the front side. And so first of all, if they ever back up water goes over the backside and gets the wood wet. But beyond that, it's really just sheet metal that's attached to the fascia board. And so when it does rain in high humidities and stuff, it stays wet behind there and can, can, uh, start it to rot as well. Now, this is a very slow process, typically takes years, and some of the things we can do to slow it down is make sure the fascia boards are painted very well prior to putting the gutters on. Uh, number two, if you've got hardy type gutters, or gutters, if you've got hardy type fascia boards, that's concrete based, they don't rot. So there are things you can do to, to minimize any damage that you may get
4: oh okay and so do you like the helmet boards
1: do you have a lot of trees around the house
4: on one side yes
1: then on one side I like them
4: oh but not on the other okay
1: they, you know my thing my take on the helmets are they work well don't get me wrong they do a great job unbelievably expensive though if you don't need them don't put them in put regular gutters now i think gutters are way overused though uh gutters belong over doorways patios places like that but on the rest of the house if you can have slope where the water drains away naturally you know coming off the it comes off the rooftop hits the ground and and drains away then there's not a reason for gutters if you're trying to protect plants and and people and things then i understand the the need for gutters but they're way overused Minimize as much as you can how much guttering you need.
4: Okay. Uh, I have a problem on one side with the trees because at, the trees are on my neighbor's uh, side. Since they have grown taller, I don't get much sun now, and uh-huh. the grass has basically disappeared. So I'm getting a lot of mud there, and then when it rains, it is, you know, washing out.
1: Yep. So you got a great reason why you need gutters.
4: Okay. Is there anything else I can do for the ground to stop the water from going downhill Now uh, and, and washing out the dirt? That's my problem because it's no longer grass.
1: Yeah. Well, there are a are few things you can do. You know, one, any tree limb that overhangs your property, you're allowed to trim, even though it's not your tree.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I know it can make for bad neighbors, but if you, you know if you don't mind the looks of it truthfully putting gravel down uh, a nice river rock or something allows the water to hit that and and flow without scarring the, the soil and you don't have to worry about mowing it or any of that kind of stuff so if it's an area where you can get away with that that may be a solution as well and then of course the only other solution is to put something that's very shade tolerant over there but my my experience with shade tolerant ground cover has not been well.
4: Oh, I see. Okay, maybe I can try the rock.
1: Okay, yeah, it, 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 the rock really is a is a good way to take care of stuff like that because water travels through the rock and it doesn't take the soil with it because the rock slows the the speed of that water traveling because it's got to now go around all the rocks, uh, and so it minimizes the speed which keeps it from carrying all the soil away
4: should you put black plastic under the rock
1: well i wouldn't put plastic under it i would use the uh like the felt type material that water is allowed to go through it okay you know the the, the fabric that they that you use for weed control okay that's what I, that's what you would use
4: okay i'll do that well thank you very much appreciate your help
1: John, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim.
0: I've got a question about uh, use of uh, a tech shield kind of product. Uh, I have a detached garage that uh, is, of course, uninsulated, and uh, this tech shield product, of course, has the uh, aluminum on one side. Right. Uh, Would it be advantageous? To put that on the inside of the garage, Uh, of course I'm going, mounting it up just to the raw studs with that uh, aluminum side facing outward to the existing siding so that it gives me that air gap between the uh, uh, tech shield and the the outside siding. Is is that going to uh, help my heat problem in that garage?
1: you know unless unless you want to have plywood up on the walls i would probably look at doing it a different way
0: um, what's your what's your it, angle on it
1: i i would get a radiant barrier but a roll type radiant barrier uh-huh. that i could just staple on to the existing walls
0: oh instead of uh, instead of that uh, that plywood
1: yeah and, and there's two reasons for that. One, with a single ply, yes, you do have to have the dead air space. It's really designed for the dead air space to be to the inside. And so you'd be putting it backwards for what, it, right. for what it's designed for. So you're going to get minimal results from it. But two, the cost factor, it, it'd be a whole lot less expensive to go buy some rolls of radiant barrier and staple it up on the wall. And you can go up and down with the studs if you want or just go straight across them. Right. Uh, then, if you decided you want pegboard or something like that, you could actually put it over that. Oh, because if you okay. went up, if you went up and down with it, you know it's 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 down in the valley, and you still have your dead airspace.
0: Uh huh. Okay. Well, that gives me another another option. Yeah, I don't mind having plywood on there. I don't. Uh, it's. What's on there now is just the studs, and behind those are, are the black uh, tar paper. So it's kind of dark in there. Yeah. So whether I went with well, the I, – I feel like I you know, I benefit as far as the light is concerned by putting something on there. Oh, man. Being let, able to
1: paint it. let me tell you, we, we built a, uh, a, a, a new uh, little shop building up at our deer lease. Uh, uh-huh. What's Dad call it now? He calls it the tree farm. And <laughs> – and, uh, that, that building is 40, uh, gosh, I can't remember now, 40 by 40 or something like that. Anyways, we ran power down to it and put, and it, and we've got radiant barrier all, all inside and on the top of it and everything. So it's all silver when you go inside. Oh. One light bulb is all it takes to, the, <laughs> to, bright, to brighten not, that place up. Not
0: quite as bad as being in a house of mirrors. But, no, <laughs> uh, uh,
1: <laughs> but it's up there with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, still pretty bright. Well, listen, I appreciate the, you uh, bet. the option. That gives me uh, something else to, uh, another decision to make. There you go. <laughs> so thank you for your help. I you appreciate
1: bet. It. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye now. Hey, and radiant barriers are a great thing. If you don't have one on your home, I do highly recommend that you use radiant barriers. Um, you know, a lot of times people get a lot of heat into the garage through the overhead garage door. It is very easy to get some of that bubble-wrap type radiant barriers and put on those metal garage doors, and it just blocks a ton of heat. The difference between a radiant barrier and insulation is insulation slows the heat transfer. Radiant barriers block the heat transfer, and that's the main difference between them. Uh, and he mentioned you know, that the garage wasn't insulated. Unless you're going to heat and cool an area, you never use insulation because, again, all it does is slow it. And so unless you have a different temperature on the other side, it's not going to help you. Where a radiant barrier, if you got a shed or a shop or a garage, anything like that that you want to help to drop the temperature, the radiant barriers are the way to go. And it will normally drop that temperature anywhere from 10 to 15 degrees. Let's head up to College Station. Bob, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey,
5: Jim. Thanks for taking my call. i got a quick question. It's uh, uh, not really a big deal. Uh, we bought a house in College Station in 2015, and uh, the people we bought it from put a uh, brand-new HVAC system in it. But, well, when the air conditioner kicks on, I'm not complaining. It cools great, but it sure is noisy out of the vents. Any? quick idea, solution comes
1: to mind? Well, it, it's probably the... Is it noisy, that the air blowing, or are you hearing the fan itself?
5: No, the air Oh,
1: okay. They got too much static pressure, which typically indicates that the ductwork may not be properly sized. When air conditioning systems are replaced or new ones are installed, one of the things that AC guys are supposed to do that a lot of times they don't is verify the ductwork size. You got, you got to do load calculations, you know, to get the proper size unit, and then you got to do the airflow on the ductwork to make sure that they're all properly sized. And a lot of times con- contractors skip that part. The ductwork's there. They just tie onto it, and away they go. And there's been some <clears throat> new regulations coming out to force the, the uh, contractor to do more of that kind of stuff. But... Uh, you know, as far as uh, what can you do to correct it, the first thing I would do is have the the ductwork checked to make sure it is properly sized. If it's not, obviously by changing the duct size, you could clear that problem up. But one of the other things that possibly would help it would be to have more air uh, areas for release of it. You know, if the if the ductwork is the wrong size, by adding some duct some more. Uh, Vents and things like that may cut down on the noise, but I would not do that until everything is properly sized first.
5: Well if I if I use that bubble wrap you were talking about with that previous caller on the garage door, heck I could probably run
1: uh, put you a duck out a, in the garage?
5: Line. Absolutely.
1: Again, it well, all depends on the tonight. size of the unit. You know, it's not it's not just the airflow. The size of the unit plays into it as well. And since we're talking ductwork, work, I want to throw this out there real quick. You know, they are coming out with some new regulations that in the next two years, they're trying to do away with flex duct, and everything has to be hard duct. And this is a state regulation that they're trying to, to implement, and, and I'm telling you, you talk about something that's going to raise the cost of air conditioning substantially, Ooh. that's it. The reason everybody went to flex FlexDuck when they did, you know, it used to be everything was hard duct, and it, it was just unbelievably expensive. And the reason they're doing it is they're trying to make everything more efficient all the time. And what's really going to raise the cost of this is it's not just a matter of installing the ductwork and you're done. The way they're setting this up they want to they want you to install the hard duck get your inspection to make sure there's no leaks and all this then you got to come back and install insulation over the hard duck you, you're, you're you're gonna literally raise the cost of doing duck work probably double if not more than what it is right now mm-hmm. and it, that is just one of the craziest things I've heard in a long time
5: that is crazy. Uh, and a very expensive sounds very expensive hey listen thanks for taking my call before I go one quick question where can you get that uh, we're going to get that bubble wrap for the garage door. because I'll Uh, you know what
1: almost all of the box stores carry it good so you stop by one of them and talk to it you as well thank you sir thank you sir bye 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 and, you know, that, that duck work thing, it, I, I think it's just one of those uh, crazy things that hopefully will get shot down before it's fully implemented. Now, I said I wanted to talk real quick about something that else that's changing on ACs, and it's in the drain systems. You know, typically you drain them into the sanitary sewer lines. And used to be there was ways that you could drain them in, you know, into a, uh, a vent and things like that. If you were retrofitting, well, now the city is going back and it used to be this way where you dug a pit outside, put a five-gallon bucket with gravel, and the water was allowed to soak in to the ground. That was done away with back in, I don't know, late 70s, early, mid-80s, somewhere in that range, because it causes foundation problems. And now they're going back to it. And I don't understand why they can't realize... Moisture causes foundation problems, you're putting 15 to 30 gallons a day into an isolated spot with that, and the rest of the foundation's not getting that. So you got a wet spot and everything else is getting dry. You are causing havoc with the foundations. There are better ways to do this, and I do think it needs to be addressed before it starts causing more issues. Tony, how are you today?
0: Hi, Jim. Hey. Good. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. I've got a question on concrete. Now that you were talking about it, I'm going to do myself about three feet by 15 foot little sidewalk on the side of my house. And I was wondering if you had any uh, good information on like the base and and should I reinforce it and the thickness?
1: Okay. And you're going to make a little sidewalk three foot by how long?
0: By about 15 feet.
1: About 15. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, yes. As far as reinforcing, absolutely. Use number three rebar. Okay. On 12-inch centers. Okay. And, you know, get get the little chairs to keep it up in the middle of the concrete. Right. You want to make it four inches thick. Okay. And...
0: uh, Is there any base? Any... uh, I don't know. Any... Plastic or anything I should put over under the concrete?
1: Typically on a sidewalk, you don't bother with plastic or anything under it. Um, Now, what the plastic would do if you did put it under there is help with the concrete to slow it down as far as drying, Uh which would help to minimize the cracks. So because it's so hot at this time of year... If you you know if you're going to do it at this time of year, yeah, I probably would take a look at going ahead and putting some plastic down if you wanted to to slow it down. It gives you a little more working time on the concrete. Like I said, it it slows down the drying time, which helps to minimize the cracking as well.
0: And what about uh, should I put dividers? In there somewhere i don't i don't
1: think i want to pour a 15 foot long slab no you don't uh typically you're going to want to put those dividers like every eight to ten feet
5: okay
1: and on a sidewalk you can either use a you know piece of wood as a divider like a piece of uh, redwood right or you can take and just use a uh an etched line in the concrete Oh, okay. I got you. Either way, because the the whole purpose of those are their expansion joints. It's to to control where the concrete expands and contracts when the temperature and moisture changes. Okay. Uh, As far as the finish on it, you'll use a a mag trowel first. Then you'll use a steel trowel until it gets almost dry. And then take and use a broom to do a light broom finish on it so the surface isn't too slick, yet it's still uh, smooth enough that you can sweep it and all that when need be.
0: Right. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's great.
1: Now, one more thing that most people don't do when they pour patios and sidewalks and stuff, turn it down and put a a little, we call it a beam, but really it's only like three, four inches wide, and take it down into the soil several inches so that if water starts running along the, the edge of the concrete... It's not washing out underneath it. And with that, you'll have a great little sidewalk there. Is it uh, Kay?
0: Yes, hi. Hey. Uh, I, got a, I got a question about the uh, garage door. Uh, my garage door won't close during a bright, sunny day. feel like they, uh, every time I try to close it, and it uh, looks like somebody crossed the uh, safety line at the uh, light,
3: uh-huh. and it
0: bounced back right away but it's okay in the night or in the morning. So any suggestion?
1: Yeah, what's happening is the, the, the sensor going across there is not in perfect alignment. And so when the metal heats up and it moves just a little bit, there, it's so close that it's actually throwing the sensors off. Then when the metal cools down and it returns back to its normal position, it's catching enough to allow the door to operate But the next time the stuff moves just a little bit, it's off again. So, really, I think you just need to have those sensors realigned, and you'll be fine. Can I do it myself? Uh, On that, you can try. Yeah, it's it's really not difficult at all. You've just heard the
0: best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.